Turn with me to the book of Amos. Amos. Amos comes right after Joel. I know it's an obscure book, but this is a book I, I had the privilege of studying, and I was truly blessed by it. Now, uh, I don't have my notes, so by the grace of God, we'll read some verses, uh, highlight some things, meditate on some things, and hopefully the Lord will be exalted and glorified in it. The book of Amos, chapter 1, verse 1 says, The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he, was, uh, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Mount Carmel withers. And we'll stop there for the time being. We learn a lot from those two verses in this book. It gives us a, a time frame. It tells us when this book was writ, was penned. When the Lord spoke these words and to who he spoke them to. Now, I don't know how many of you have read the book of Amos. How many of you have studied the book of Amos? But it's an important book. It's called the Minor Prophet, but it's not minor in message. In fact, I would tell you that it's got a very applicable message to this country, to this culture today. First, we read that Amos was a sheep breeder. And we learn in chapter 7 of this book, and we don't have time for it, but he himself was not from Israel, but he was from Judah. Now, if you recall, Israel, after King Solomon, divided into two nations. After the, the death of King Solomon, uh, Jeroboam took the ten tribes to the north and made the kingdom of Israel. And to the south was Judah and Benjamin. Right? And so to the north was Israel and to the south was Judah. Amos was from Judah, was from the south. And the Lord called him to go north to Israel with a special word. And he starts his message like this. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. Where's Jerusalem, by the way? It's in Judah. Jerusalem was where the temple was. Jerusalem was where God put his name there. That's where his presence was. And if you're recalling your history of Israel, when Jeroboam established the northern kingdom, and he saw that the children of Israel would have to travel south into Judah a couple times a year for the festivals, for the feast of the Lord, and, and, and to offer sacrifices there at the temple, he had this, this great idea. He said, I will build altars so they don't have to travel all the way down south. It, it would make logistical sense. They don't have to travel down to, to Jerusalem. They can stay in their own land. But the altars he established were not the altars of the Lord. For God called the children of Israel to travel down to where he was. And the people began, began to be idolatrous. And Israel, as a nation, the northern kingdom, began to play the harlot with other idols. 
And a couple of kings have gone by, and the Lord here raises up Amos, a simple man, a man who, who bred sheep and, and he collected sycamore fruit, it says in chapter 7. It says, Amos, I want you to get up and I want you to go, and I have a message for my people, Israel. And the Lord cries out from Zion. He cries out from Jerusalem. He cries out from where he is like a roaring lion. When a lion roars, it's something to be held. It's not something that's warm and fuzzy. But it is, it, it is awe-striking. You should, you should pay attention. When a lion roars, he's declaring where he is. He's declaring his territory. He's declaring something. And it's not to be taken lightly. And the Lord roars from Zion. Roars from Jerusalem. To the north. To the pastures of the, uh, to the, pastures of the shepherds mourn. To the top of Mount Carmel that withers. He's calling out to Israel. Now listen, here is Amos. And I want you to picture this. I, I find it helpful when I study the Word of God to imagine it in my mind. Here is the simple man, Amos, called from the Judah, going up to the north, going up to the northern kingdom. And there was tension, as you can imagine, between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And here he is declaring a word of the Lord to them. And he starts off by, the Lord is calling upon you from where? From Jerusalem. Not from Mount Carmel. Not from the high places where you, where you build these altars and, and you worship your idols, but from the living God who sits upon the Mount of Jerusalem. And I find it interesting how the Lord begins to his word to the nation of Israel. Now look down. He says in verse 3, he says, Thus saith the Lord. It says, For three transgressions of Damascus and for four, and I, I will not turn away punishment. And he begins to declare what the nation of Damascus has done and what is God going to do with the nation of Damascus. Now look down again. Look at verse 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four I will not turn away punishment. And here he goes, and he describes what Gaza and the, the sins and the atrocities that, that Gaza, the nation of Gaza, were committing. And God's judgment to that nation. And it continues, verse 9, it says, For three transgressions of Tyr, and for four I will not turn away punishment. Now, I, 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 it, it continues on and on, but I bring this point. Amos goes and stands before the northern kingdom, before Israel, and he begins to declare the word of the Lord, and, 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 and they're waiting to hear, and the Lord begins with the nations around them. He begins with Damascus. He goes to Gaza. He goes to Tyre. And the people are, are, are saying to themselves, God is on our side. He, he's going to judge the nations around us. Those who, who try to oppress us, those who try to take our land, those who try to steal our crops, those who, who try to encroach upon what God has given us. And the Lord judges those around him. And then he gets a little closer. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And the Lord says, for three transgressions of Moab. And for the fourth, I will not turn away punishment. Well, now Moab is not a complete stranger to Israel. 
Moab was a distant relative of Israel. And here's God judging Moab. Look at verse 4 of chapter 2. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Judah. And for the fourth I will not turn away punishment. You see, the Lord's bringing a word to Israel. And he starts with the nations around them. And he slowly works around the nations. Works around the relatives. And now he works down to Judah. And the Lord has a word for Judah. Now, I would imagine that the Israelites, the the children of the northern kingdom, would say, oh, good, the Lord's finally going to give them what they deserve. That southern kingdom where they think they're so much better than us just because they have a temple over there, and they say, no, we can't worship up here. The Lord's going to judge them. And their hearts may have swelled up. But then it's their turn. Look at verse 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for the fourth, I will not turn away. Yes, God is the God of, he will judge all, all people in all nations. But this, this, this message, this word was to Israel, and the remainder of the book is for Israel. And it's his judgment, his plea with Israel. And the Lord begins and paints a very dark picture. Paints a very dark picture. Now, I, I, I have to pause and tell you this, that in this moment and in this time in the nation of Israel, it, it, it is its most prosperous state. It is its greatest of influence. It is the greatest wealth that it has ever had. It, it is called the renaissance of Israel at this time. And here's what the Lord sees. Chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Because they sell the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of sandals. They plant, they pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor. Now, now listen. That those who, who they are righteous, they want nothing to do with. Those who speak the truth, they want nothing to do with. And they want to sell them as slaves. And the poor, those who have nothing, those who have very little, they sell for a pair of sandals. Not even for gold, not even for silver, but for a pair of sandals. Now listen, listen to their selfishness. They pant. They cry. And they whine about, about the, the, the dust that sticks to the hair of the poor who lay down on their land. Like you're taking away what is mine. That very little bit of dust, which is not even a handful, is mine. Why are you taking it from me? To a soul who has nothing, who is sleeping on the dirt, you're crying over that. The Lord has a lot to say about this nation. Now, I, I tell you, and I don't think it's a stretch. But we live in a nation of great wealth. We live in a nation of great privilege. All of us here. How many of you, how many can remember the last day you missed a meal because you could not find food? It's never happened in my life. Yet we have so much. 
We have so much privilege. Israel, that nation had so much and so much privilege. And the Lord God is calling out to them. You're mistaking the blessing for the God who gives you the blessing. The God recalls to them what he has done for them. Skip down to verse 9. Verse 9, it says, Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorites who were before you, whose height were like the height of the cedar. And he was as strong as the oak, and yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots from beneath. Here the Lord is reminding them that it was him who destroyed the Amorites. From before them. It was not the might of Israel. It was God who destroyed the the power and the might of the Amorites. Verse 10. It is I who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Who led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of who? The Amorites. Listen. Everything you have. Everything you see. It was not out of your might. It was not out of your strength. I gave it to you, the Lord says. I gave it to you. Now here's the saddest state of all. Verse 11. The Lord says, I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarite. Now listen. The children of Israel, that northern kingdom, who, who, who plays the harlot with idols. The Lord from their own people, from their own children, would raise up young men to speak his word. To plead with them. To, to return to him. He causes his sons to be Nazarite. Men who were devout to the living God. To serve him day and night. What did, what did the nation do with these men? What did the nation do with these men who, who stood up and proclaimed the truth, who proclaimed God's word to the nation? It says, it is, so, it is not so. O you children of Israel, saith the Lord. Now listen, verse 12. But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets to, to say, do not prophesy. God would raise young men, godly men, in their midst. And those who would take a vow to sanctify, to set themselves apart for God, they would defile them by allowing them or forcing them or coercing them to drink wine and to defile their vow. And to those who would open their mouth and speak the truth, they would say, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. Now, saints, I, I tell you, I'm at all of the character of God. And I hope you are too, because uh, here's a nation who is in rebellion, who is, who is drunk in their, in their wealth and in their success, and they do not recognize where it comes from. And when God raises men and women to proclaim to them, to return to the living God, they scoff. And yet God did it over and over and over again. 
Verse 13, it says, Behold, I am weighed down by you. As a cart full of sheath is weighed down, therefore, flight and perish from the swift. The strong shall not strength, shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the might deliver him. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of his foot shall escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver him. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, saith the Lord. There's their judgment. You think you're strong? You think you're mighty? You think you could do it without me? You're going to run away naked. There's going to be nothing left. Turn the page to chapter 4. The Lord continues in chapter 4. He continues to, to recall to them who they are and what they're doing and their sins. In chapter 4 it says, Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are, the mount, who are on the Mount of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say, uh, who say to your husbands, bring me wine and let us drink. Let the, Lord, let the Lord God, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the day shall come, come upon you when he will take away, take you away with fish hooks. Now listen, the nation was in such a deplorable state that the women, the women of the nation, now it's speaking, now, now I don't, it's not a comical thing, but he calls them cows of Bashan. And, and their hearts were only for themselves. They oppressed the poor. They crushed the needy. They would say, give me wine. It's all about my pleasure. It's all about what I want. Now, look at verse 4. And, and, and I'm running out of time and I'll, and I'll move quickly and I'll end here in a few minutes, but look at verse 4. It says, Come to Bethel and transgress. And at Gilgal and multiply transgressions. Bring your sacrifice every morning, your tithes three, uh, every, every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce it, the freewill offerings. For this you love. You children of Israel, saith the Lord. You know, the sad thing is that they go to Gilgal and they go to Bethel and they, they, they give these offerings and it pleases them. The sad story and the sad truth is the places they would go and they would offer up these sacrifices, these offerings to their foreign gods were very places where God had dealt with them. It was at Bethel where God's tabernacle dwelt for many, many years before King David would bring it down. It was at Gilgal where the Lord himself met the children of Israel when they crossed the Jordan. And it was there where he said, I am your commander. 
And I am going before you. I am going to lead you. It was at Gilgal. And they took these places and they defiled them. And it made them feel good. Their own hearts, their own desires. Now skip down to verse 12. After all that, and much can be said, he says, Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Somber, somber words. Here's a nation who had so much privilege. Here's a nation who had God's presence, but a couple miles. Who had God's word with them who had God's blessing, who was in God's blessed land. And yet they defiled it all. And God pleaded with them. God sent messenger after messenger pleading with them. And God says, prepare to meet your God. Friend, if you're here this morning, are you prepared to meet your God? Listen, we we live in an affluent nation. We live in an affluent nation, a nation that has so much blessing. We have a nation in which you can turn on the radio, you can turn on the TV, you, you you can go on there, and you can find God's word everywhere. And God pleads with this nation. And he pleads with them to return to him. And what does this nation do? He scoffs at them. But here's the heart of God. After he had laid out before them, and he had laid down before the children of Israel, that whole nation, what they have done, what they are doing, and what he is going to do, and what his punishment is going to be. Here's his cry to them. Look at chapter 5. Chapter 5 and verse 4 says, For thus saith the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. I know what you have done. I know what you are doing. And I'm going to judge you for it. But here's my plea. Seek me and live. It is not too late. It is not too late. But if you would repent and turn... Seek me and live to a nation in rebellion towards him. And he says, and he pleads with him, but do not seek Bethel. Do not seek Gilgal. Do not, nor pass over Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely uh, go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Do not run to the places where you think you find some sense of spirituality. Do not run to the, the places where you think you, you have some control over your life. Where you think you, you, you can make yourself right with God. For all those places are desolate and gonna, are going to turn to nothing. But seek me and live, he says. Seek me and live. The Lord God sits before this world and he cries out for this world to repent. And he sends men and women time and time again 
pleading with them to seek him and they will live. Our God is a great God. Our God is a great God. Despite of the nations of Israel's rebellion and blindness, the Lord pled in His grace to His people. Despite of their stubbornness and selfishness, He pleads with them. And He sent prophet after prophet declaring to them what they did to repent of their sins and to return to Him. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never turned to the living God and, 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 and repented of who you are, of what you are, a sinner, I declare to you this morning, the Lord's plea to you is the same as it is to the nation. Seek Him, and you shall live. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we we thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your long-suffering. Lord, we thank you that you look upon you look upon wretched sinners and you love them in such a way that despite that they want nothing to do with you, you plead with them. You raise men and women around them to plead with them on your behalf. Lord, help us. Help us to repent of our sins. And if anyone's here that does not know you as, as a personal Savior, has not turned to you for that forgiveness, who has not turned to you for life, Lord, we pray that they would be convicted of their sins and that they would turn to you this morning. Lord, I ask all these things in your Son's precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.